Nathaniel is the singer-guitarist owner of Tomorrow's End. It's good to have you here on The Antidote. It's uh, very awesome to be here today. We're going to be getting into my reason for what I'm about to say, and I really hope you won't be offended when I call Tomorrow's End one of the oddest bands I've ever come across. (laughs) I mean, take the band lineup. Bass is X, drums vocals I, guitar vocals T, guitar S, keyboards question mark. So what is this? Actual names don't work for you? It's just that there is so many people that I guess are in it for themselves. Sometimes even in, you know, like faith-based or Christian music. And we just wanted to make sure that everything was 100% about the message, about the songs, and about like the story that the songs, I guess, tell. It's uh, all one big parable, one big story. And sometimes even the members may change, but what the characters represent is always the same. And it points to the larger message if you look at the overall picture. Well, then, whose idea was it to put together Tomorrow's End? Uh, I guess it was mine. I guess um, sometimes people call me the owner, but I guess the better thing to say is probably I'm just the founder, I guess, creator of it. And the point is, it's supposed to be a multimedia project. It's music, it's videos, it's live performance. Like we've even got comics that we're putting out and even like games, like card games, board games, and just trying to do it, you know, this this story, this parable that teaches an overall like uh, message, you know, a, a biblical message, actually, if, if you look at the components when you see it all together. I think the biggest thing that makes Tomorrow's End stand out is how you've released your music. I mean, artists usually start with a single or maybe an EP, <laughs> but not your band. Here we go. Four full-length albums, 40 songs released simultaneously. I mean, you kind of realize that's crazy. I do, actually. And the funny thing is, uh, someone not long ago told us, you don't need to put it all out at once because that's just going to be you know, too much stuff and you're going to run out of material. But the thing is, we actually have over 160 songs that we're wanting to put out. This is just literally the first part of, it's called the Tetralogy. Uh, it's the first 40 of the 160. It's just trying to give people something deeper where we live in a generation where most people just want to you know, stream one song of a band or listen to one track or something. But we're hoping that if you provide in depth, like where the music is intricate, the story's intricate, the lyrics are intricate, and where it all connects, maybe it's kind of like streaming, like on Netflix, when somebody goes and views the whole season. If you put it all out at once, maybe they'll, you know, can go through it and have an experience as opposed to just listen to a track and say, well, that was a cool song. Well, with you saying 160 songs, that explains why this is Tetralogy Part One. Yes. Obviously, there's no way that we can cover all 40 songs during our talk. (laughs) So I'm going to pick and choose a few tracks from the albums. Okay. So why don't we get into the first song from the first album, Pull the Lever, which is on Tetralogy Part 1, Volume 1. The chorus says, Pull the lever and close the gate on our sinful thoughts or die into forever. You have to be honest with us, Nathaniel. That's not an easy thing to do. Oh, no, it is 100% not, and uh, that's actually what the song's about. It's more saying that it's a journey and that we we have to be aware of it, though. Like where we see, you know, through Scripture and stuff, we're told to, you know, repent from our sins and, and all that. Well, 
that's sometimes what we as uh, believers and followers sometimes forget. We, we, we have the faith part, but we'd sometimes leave out the, that we need to make sure we are being the example to others and that we are doing our best to walk as he walked. Because when we do that, you just become more fruitful in your witness and the, just the old practice what you preach mentality, if that makes sense. Yeah, I get you with that. What about for you personally? How long have you been a Christian? Uh, since I was 17, I literally just turned 36 years old in April. And uh, when I was 17, I got diagnosed with bone cancer. That's actually how I came to know the Lord. And uh, before I was a Christian, I used to like see all the people that, you know, I guess in high school and junior high and even like uh, just out in like my local churches and stuff, they would preach certain things and they would say certain things. But just kind of like what we were talking about with Lever, they didn't back it up with their actions. If you did not know what church they went to, if you did not know like uh, what they identified you know, as, you would never have put the two and two together because their lives did not reflect it. And so me as a young adult, 16, 17, I was like, I don't want anything to do with this. This is just hypocrisy. This is just lies. This is just people using this to get out of class early or to, to use it for tax deductions and stuff like that. But when I got diagnosed with bone cancer, I realized I was judging the perfect Christ. I was judging him on imperfect people. And so I started realizing I do not need to let imperfect people skew my thoughts on God. I just needed to look at his word, look at him. And when I did that, I accepted him to my heart and I've tried my best to live for him. And I fail every day. Nobody's perfect. But it was a journey and something I wanted to make sure that, I guess, my generation and probably the generation after me, because we went out and played a lot of places and and met a lot of people. And it seems like that's a big thing that turns people off to Christianity is the hypocrisy and stuff. And when you start telling people, don't judge Christianity on the people that are not perfect, judge it on the one perfect person, Jesus Christ. And if you do that, you'll be well on your journey because you will not find any fault. To circle back to your health for a moment, cancer as a young man wasn't the only thing you've been dealing with because recently you went through surgery. That's correct. And I've been blessed. Uh, I went through cancer for a year in chemotherapies and surgeries and stuff, and I was blessed. I've been uh, 100% cured from all my cancer. Uh, Christ did that. I'm 100% grateful. Uh, the only thing is since my cancers, I've had like long withstanding problems from the chemotherapies. They stick with you and And yes, I just had a spinal neck fusion surgery. I went in for it exactly a month ago from today's date, ironically. And uh, they went in for the five-level fusion. They was going to do four levels from the front. And they got in there. It was so bad, they could only get to three levels and told me the next day they was going to do two levels from the back, which they were just going to do one level the next day uh, originally. But they put me through the MRI after they did the three levels from the front. So they had a recent picture so they could see everything they needed to do. Well, when they did that, my doctor comes in there with this kind of stunned look on his face. And he just says, the good Lord must be looking out for you. And I said, I said, of course he is. But I said, what are you talking about? (laughs) And he shows me his phone and it's a picture he took of the MRI. And he said, look at this. He said, your neck was so bad. We only could get to three levels from the front and you needed five levels. He said, so right here, it's showing these two levels above. He said, they fixed. And he said, I have no medical explanation. He he had to go look it up on the internet to try to see if this has ever happened. He said, there might have been one case many years ago. And he said, he's never seen this in his practice or anything. 
And he said, this hat was, was God. And I just give him all the praise, all the glory. And I'm doing very well. Like with my recovery, it's nothing I've done. It's all Christ that has done this. And I just thank him. And I'm just very blessed to be talking to you today because there was even a uh, chance that I wouldn't be able to talk for a long time, much less sing. And I'm already driving my wife crazy trying to sing <laughs> throughout the day uh, with the guitar and stuff. So, And now I'm going to completely switch topics. I've noticed that Tomorrow's End often speaks about having a personal relationship with God. But you also turn away from the idea of Christian religion. Don't the two go hand in hand? A very good question. And we don't turn away from the, uh, I guess, the religion aspect. I guess we turn away from it just being... Uh, something like, for example, when people go to church on Sunday and they, they sometimes it feels like people just punch a time clock, they go, they sit through it because they feel like that's what they're you know supposed to do. They feel better for going and then they go out and don't think about it the rest of the week and then they go back the next Sunday. And not everybody's like that, by the way. What we're trying to say is do not get into just a routine, get into a personal relationship with Christ to where literally like when you wake up Monday morning you know, you're thinking about Christ. When you when you go through the week and you're making your decisions through the week, how do I react to this problem that came in my life? How do I react to this health scare? How do I react to these people annoying me at work or bothering me? Make sure that Christ is always at the forefront, because if we do that, you know, that's how we're going to shine our light. And uh, so we're not against like somebody, you know, like Christianity. We're Christians. It's just saying, make sure that it is more than just a once a week routine that you do where you're falling into a religious custom as opposed to a personal relationship. That sort of comes up on one of your songs. At one point on Repent and Be Baptized, you sing, I am not a sinless man, I am far from perfect. And I gotta thank you for being honest, because some people tend to put on their holy mask on Sunday. Yes. And that is something that we're always trying to say is be, you know, if you be transparent with people and you show people, you know what, I'm not perfect. I struggle with this. I struggle with that. And if you let people understand that Christians are just people, we're not perfect. But even though Christians are not perfect, we are to do our best. Because sometimes, unfortunately, people use it the opposite way, too, where they're like, well, I don't have to try anymore because we're not perfect. So I can sin as much as I want it. Jesus don't care. We know we don't believe that is the case at all. We believe we're supposed to do our best. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Well, if we are Christians, we should be trying to imitate Christ in our walk, in our talk, in our you know actions. Exactly. I got to tell you that I can't resist a song with a baseline intro. So I want to ask about White Pages. It's a story about what a person who comes to Christ experiences. It's been described as chapters of a book. So what page is what it's about? If we look at our life as a book, you know, everything pre-Christ is the first chapters. So some people accept Christ at the end of their life, some people the middle, some people uh, the beginning. Regardless, whenever you accept Christ, even if it's on that last page right before you die, once you accept Christ, everything you've done before, once you've accepted Christ, is wiped away. And the reason we wanted to write this song and put this song out uh, in this first album was because... I've met so many people that says, I can't come to Christ. I've done too much in my life. And the whole point is that we've all done too much, but Christ is so big, no matter how much we've done, he takes it away. Whether we're at that first chapter and we accept him early on, everything's wiped away, great. If we're in the middle of our life, great. 
if we're at the very end and if somebody's 90 years old, 100 years old, whatever, and they've had a whole life, you know, not following Christ, if they accept him, it's all wiped away and it's all white pages. So that's that's what that song is about. I discovered that Tomorrow's End is based out of Cleveland, Tennessee. Yes. And I didn't know anything about the city, so I went to Wikipedia to find out that it's in the middle of the Bible Belt, that three out of ten radio stations are Christian format, and two well-known Christian artists come from Cleveland, along with a lot of churches having their headquarters based in Cleveland. Yes. You know what? That makes it sound as if Tomorrow's End was destined to live there. I mean, I, I definitely feel that um, everything that, you know, happens in our life, you know, especially when you, if, you're, if you're seeking, you know, Christ and you're seeking that closer relationship, I believe that you're put in specific situations and places for reasons. And um, like the, the thing about that, whenever you're around, like you just said, we, we come from the Bible Belt, um, we got to remember some, sometimes you see sometimes two churches right beside each other, but when they come out, they don't always talk to each other. You see... <laughs> You get all the good because they're you know they're spreading the word and guess what that's awesome everybody should be spreading the word but we got to make sure we learn from our mistakes too and not put any certain denomination or any certain people teachers ministers anything on pedestals to where they're so big that we are you know contradicting what we say we believe just to to support that certain I guess um, affiliation and so yeah I mean being in the Bible Belt you see the you see the great aspect of it you see the sometimes negative aspect when when people's uh you know throwing stones literally <laughs> or figuratively um like i said I, I believe god put us here for a reason and the reason is just that you're impacted by your surroundings and it shows you sometimes what to do and even sometimes what not to do i get you i want to pull in another song okay i do get where you're heading on the song archangel that all of us can find healing in christ but there are some Christians who say that only a select few are chosen by Christ. Very good question. Yeah, um, it's not just saying about healing. I mean, that's one aspect of it, but it's also saying, just like where Paul, you know, the thorn in the flesh, sometimes people get upset because they, they say, you know what, God isn't answering me. I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm not being answered. Well, sometimes we are being answered, and the answer is just no. It's just not the answer we want. But regardless of what answer God gives us, he always makes a way for us. For example, I didn't get healed of my neck like where it was just miraculously healed, like in the essence I didn't have to have surgery. I've been broke for six years, and I prayed and prayed, and this is eventually where it led me was to having that, that surgery I had last month. But he still answered me, and he still performed a miracle because it was a lot better than they thought it was ever going to be. And we just have to realize that no matter our situation, whether we're disabled with something, whether we're uh, in, a, in a bad situation, like where we live in a bad place of town, or we live somewhere we wish we didn't, or we don't have as much money as we want, or the right job that we want, regardless of our situation or what we want to be in, God has put us there, and if we just obey Him and follow Him, He will use us, and that's what Archangel is about, just being a messenger for Him. And regardless of our circumstance, He can use us if we'll just be obedient and sometimes get out of our own way and just you know be the vessel for Him to use. Do you always have all the answers? <laughs> uh, no, no, I, I, I don't always have all the answers. I just have studied, and when I don't know something, I go to someone wiser, and I go to the Scripture. The biggest thing I've found in the last few years is if we can't prove it from Scripture, there's a problem. 
Christ when he tells the Pharisees, they, you know, you forsake the commands of God for, uh, you know, for your human traditions. Make sure that if we do it, it comes from the Bible. If we're preaching something or teaching something, it comes from Scripture. It comes from him. We can all be of one accord whenever we all go to Scripture, and it's the definitive thing that tells us what right and wrong is. So that's what I try to do, and when I fail— um, I, I try to be humble enough to say, you know what, I, I made a mistake here and because I'm not perfect, but uh, I'm going to learn from it so I don't do it again. Well, of course, the Bible does come into all your music, but Mary Shelley does too, because you have a song <laughs> called A Jesus Frankenstein, and I mean, which I think is a hilarious title. Uh, yeah, and uh, some people, when they first hear it, can even be thrown off and say, man, this you know, this is obviously a demonic band or something like that. And that's literally not the case at all. A Jesus Frankenstein, it's actually the evolution of the old term Jesus Freak. DC Talk did a song on it uh, in the 70s and 60s. People were, you know, deemed Jesus Freaks whenever they was out preaching on the streets and stuff. Um, so this is just kind of, I guess, the evolution of that. And what it's trying to explain is that whenever we stick to scripture and we try to live a true Christian life, a lot of times the world will see you as a monster. Just like in the Frankenstein movie and stuff, like you would see, you know, they're chasing him around. He was uh, not necessarily doing anything per se, but he was monsterizing stuff. Um, I guess it was the doctor in, in that essence that was, I guess, more the villain. But anyways, my point is, Whenever you do the right thing in today's age, a lot of times the world will treat you as a monster, even if you're literally just trying to obey the Bible. And it's saying, don't worry about that. Jesus said that. He said they, you know, they will persecute you just as they persecuted me. So if, if he said that, we got to own that and realize that when people persecute you for doing the right thing, he'll make you strong enough to endure it if you just turn to him. I've seen so many people turn away because they say, well, you know what? We used to be a Christian, but it got too hard. Everybody hated me because I would have to tell them I couldn't do that. I've met so many people that have turned away from the faith because of that. And it's like, no, when the world treats you bad, God will give you that strength to endure it if you just turn to him. That song does exaggerate when it's saying, pitchforks in hand, they begin the chasing right <laughs> yeah. outside with torches blazing. I mean, it's not like Christians are being martyred. At least not in the first world. Well, you know, you're, that's actually another point, and it's something you know you hear about a lot. I've heard some preachers even refer to it as first world problems. We, whenever we look at the grand scheme of things, we have to remember that, like, uh, you're based in Canada, I, I'm in America, and one thing we try to, you know, explain to people is there's Christians also in China, there's Christians all over the world, and some of them are being literally martyred or they're literally being you know persecuted more than we could even imagine so when we get somebody that tweets something bad about us or puts a facebook post you know how weak can our faith be that literally when somebody puts a post we cower and stuff when mm -hmm. people are literally dying and stuff in other countries and it's it that that's really what this song is about just remember that there's people literally going through these things so Whenever somebody, you know, sends you a mean text message or a mean Facebook message, that's nothing. You know, get over it and just cling to God and, you know, he'll get you through it. We don't need to just be so secure that we just think about ourselves and our first world problems. Totally. You know, something I like about your band is how you describe the style. Tomorrow's End is Christian rock done differently for the different to make a difference. But that brings up the question, so who are the different? 
Uh, the different, I guess, would be anybody. I guess we have uh, two main people that our music is geared toward. People that identify as Christian that if you was to see them out on the street, you would never in a million years think so. Like they look like the world, they act like the world. Nothing of their life would reflect it except for the fact that they say, I'm a Christian. Our music is geared toward people like that because we've all been that person before. We've all been that Christian. Everybody in this band, in this project has been in that situation before. And it's to reach those people and say, you know what? Make sure that your life is reflecting uh, what the Bible says. Make sure that you are in a personal relationship. Uh, Somebody at 13 says, well, I accepted Christ at 13, never thought about him again. Well, we're like, make sure that it's a personal relationship that you have daily and uh, that's the first section of people, I guess, that are that we consider the different. And the second part is anybody that has turned away Christ because of all of the hypocrisy or all of the falsities that they've seen, like either on the news, like when you ever see you see a scandal, a preacher stealing money, a preacher doing this, and they said, I'm not going to look at that stuff. Well, again, I can speak personally from that because before my cancer, I used to be one of those people. So our music is geared to those people and say, take a second look. That's the main thing, just whether somebody just identifies as a Christian or somebody has turned away Christianity based on hypocrisy, it just take a second look. Because if you do, you know, you'll never be led astray if you just base it on Scripture and Christ himself. Well, many Christians take different views and different looks at the Bible itself. Yes. You sound like you're black and white. Does gray ever come into the picture? Uh, ironically, that's the color scheme is black, white, and red. And then you see like of the whole tomorrow's in, I guess, branding and it's black, red, white. But the reason for that, actually, it regards your question is because I truly believe and everybody within, within this believes if you literally look at scripture, it will show you wrong and right. If you continuously let scripture interpret scripture, it's a long journey and it's something you have to put time into. But most of the time, you will always, you know, be shown that there is a right, there is a wrong. And every now and then, because we are human and, you know, we are not infallible, you know, there sometimes is things that take a lot more prayer, uh, I guess, like the gray that you were just talking about. It isn't that we have all the answers, but we do believe the Bible does. And if we just keep on searching it and making sure we use Scripture to interpret Scripture— you know, we're all going to be better off instead of saying, well, my grandmother said this. Well, I mean, I have family that have many different views, but if I base the Bible on that, that's not going to help me any. But if I base it on the other scriptures that are contained within, that's going to help me out, you know, tremendously. I want to bring in the song Pouring Rain. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Because I've been dealing with pouring rain all day. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, it speaks about carrying on through the hard times. Is that coming from personal experience? It is. Um, One thing that I think sometimes people may get the wrong idea about, like we started off with, you know, talking about my testimony. I I came to know the Lord at 17 through cancer, and then I just even had this miraculous thing happen with my neck, which God was 100% in control of. Nothing I did at all. It was all Christ. And sometimes, though, when you tell people these stories, they're like, oh, so it's just 100% easy for this person. No. Uh, Pouring Rain is talking about you go through struggles, even though God healed me, even though God got me through all this, I had pain. I had, um, I mean, I had chemotherapy for over a year. I had surgery to have my missing pieces of like, uh, of my leg, like where they literally took it out and put a rod in and connected to the bottom half. So, I mean, then I have metal in my neck now. 
being a Christian is not about living a pain-free life. A lot of times you see people that sometimes, unfortunately, like when they preach Christ, they say, you're going to have no more troubles the rest of your life. Just choose Christ. And we don't believe that. We believe the Bible teaches you're still going to have struggles. You're still going to have hardships. But if you cling to him, he will always make you able to endure it. There's nothing I've ever been through that when I turn to Christ, he has not got me through. That's what pouring rain is about. Whenever we see those hardships, that is a opportunity for us as Christians to cling to him and be a better witness. Anybody can have faith when everything, you know, is all sunny outside. But sometimes true faith shows through in the pouring rain. You are so well spoken. Thank you for being this way. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> you know what? I have one last song and then I'm going to let you go back to actually having a life. Tetralogy Part 1, Volume 4 has a song with a Hebrew title. I don't want to know anything about the song. All I want is to hear you pronounce it. Anil <laughs> Hevaka. Uh, but seriously, what is it about? Anil uh, Hevaka is the Hebrew for saying, I love you from male to male. And Anil Hevet, which is why ET is in parentheses, is how a female says it to a male. And it's just to remind people that you mentioned earlier about being in the Bible Belt, like you would think being in the Bible Belt, there would be no racism. There would be nothing of the sort, like when there's so many churches and stuff. But unfortunately, there's so many areas and even churches around here where the love is is missing, like there's racism. And, and they think that, I guess, Jesus is American. They base it from an American or a North American viewpoint and it's like, no, that's why we use this for the last song of the album, the Anil Hev, where it says, I love you. It's in Hebrew because we got to remember he was Hebrew. He was, you know, he was a Jew. His his little Jewish name was uh, Yeshua, which, you know, means God is salvation or Yahweh is salvation. The point is, he was Hebrew. He was a Jew. And when we realize that our Savior, in most cases, especially in America, was, you know, a different nationality than the majority of ethnic denomination that most people are in the U.S., when you realize that, how can you be prejudiced when your Savior is, for most people, a different color? When you do that, it takes away the racism. And so the song is just saying, I love you to God. And it's saying, how do I show you I love you? And he's the chorus is him responding back saying, simply just do what I say. Simply just obey me as best you can. That's how you show me you love me. Nathaniel, you are messing with my head. You mean <laughs> that Jesus isn't six feet tall, blue-eyed, and blonde-haired? <laughs> I know, but uh, it's crazy. But some people down here, they truly like would fight you to the death, like, arguing with them about it. And it's not about being argumentative. It's about just speaking the truth and realizing that, you know, it wasn't wrote in English. It was wrote in Hebrew, Aramaic and Greek for the New Testament. When you realize that it changes your viewpoint and there's no place for racism or, or prejudice within Christianity because he adopted us. I mean, Anybody that's not of Jewish or Israeli descent, part of those 12 tribes, you know, he's adopted us in, into his family. And so, you know, racism has no place within Christianity. Amen. Tomorrow's End has committed a lot of time putting these albums together. Was the result worth it? A lot of people probably do not think it's worth it because we have, you know, sacrificed things ourselves. We have done without certain things to get this going. We are not backed by any company or anything like that. It is all self done. When I say that, I mean, like we sold stuff ourselves. We've waited till we've had enough money to, to raise to do that. And when I say we've done it by ourselves, I just mean no financial backer. Jesus has been with us every step of the way and always made a way. Hey, whenever we put something up for sale, Jesus always made sure there was a buyer to get it so we could continue. So it's all through him. 
And yes, it, it's worth it because it's making people think whether you're, you've been a Christian for 50 years, you've been one for five years, or you've just became one, or you've turned it away for reasons that you don't even truly understand. We're just asking you a question. Look at it. Look at your life. Look at the scripture. And if we can do that to even just a few number of people, then of course it's worth it. Well, listen, Nathaniel, thanks so much for this talk about tomorrow's end. Well, thank you so much, and thank you for having us on, and thank you for checking out the songs, and I really do appreciate you having me on here today.